Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. We welcome you to another edition of the Justify Your Existence podcast. I'm joined by our beat writers, Michael Katz with Ole Miss, Stefan Kreischnick for Mississippi State. We're going to talk baseball with you most of our time here, but before we get there, wanted to mention kind of a, a special thing we have going on this uh, this week. We don't always cover uh, the NFL Combine, but we're going to be there this week. Lots of uh, Mississippi stories there from both uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Stefan Kreischnick uh, will be there for us. And uh, Stefan, you sent me that very detailed plan of uh, of what you were going to be doing this week. I know you and Michael got together and hammered that out. And I appreciate that, uh, that I was able to just administrate and let y'all bring that to me. But uh, Tell me about the plan, man. What's going on this week? Yeah, it'll be a, an interesting week for maybe some of the, the Mississippi State fans that follow uh, me and my work on social media because I'll be I'll be tweeting a bit and posting stuff about Ole Miss uh, players as well and, and maybe making an appearance in your guys' Ole Miss uh, Facebook group. So hopefully uh, the State fans aren't too harsh on me for that. But, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be covering the Combine and, and definitely a, a good representation. And obviously with the, with the Combine being in, in Indianapolis, it's so close to home for me. It kind of, you know, worked out in, in many ways that, that I was able to go to this. But um, it starts, uh, the combine starts March 1st. But, um, you know, most of the, the availabilities and stuff are, are running from March 2nd to March 5th. And, um, you know, eight players from Ole Miss and, you know, uh, Matt Corral highlighting that group. And, and then players like Sam Williams and, um, and Chance Campbell, Ben Brown, uh, just a lot of players there for Ole Miss that, that have chances to, to legitimately get drafted and probably go maybe in the top three rounds. And then um, three players for state, um, obviously a, a larger quantity, but um, definitely a lot of quality with Charles Cross having a chance to be a, a top 10, top five pick and Martin Emerson likely going, um, you know, as a second or third round pick. And then Makai Pohl kind of being that X factor, wondering where, where he's going to go. But there's definitely a lot of uh, Mississippi storylines up in, up here in Indianapolis. Um, you know, it'll be a lot of fun to, to keep tabs on. I'm sure I'll be texting Michael back and forth a bit, just making sure I, I, I got my old Miss knowledge down pat. I think I got, I know, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about, but certainly never opposed to the help. And obviously you perish, you know, old Miss as, as well. Um, but, but should be a fun week. And, and, you know, I know uh, Michael is a huge, loyal Los Angeles Rams fan. So I'll make sure I get him a Sean McVay autograph or something while I'm up here. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as a lifelong Los Angeles Rams fan of about three years. <laughs> well, no better time than the present to be a Rams fan. But, uh, yeah, folks, we'll have uh, have the combine covered for you. Uh, that will be, of course, uh, uh, in the Daily Journal, but also at djournal.com. We'll be having uh, updates from the combine every day. So be sure to check out that very affordable coverage at uh, djournal.com. Dot com. Let, let's talk some baseball. Uh, Michael, the Rebels, man, 6-0. and uh, and, and was the story of the weekend, uh, Taiwan Malone's home run, man. It was, we, we didn't see him on the field uh, with football too much, but uh, big impact uh, in his second at bat uh, with the Rebels. Yeah, I mean that that and the, and the fact that uh, this baseball team has been very good to to beat writers, and that fact that they've only played two nine inning games so far, they're making life easy on us, which is always very much uh, appreciated. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. I was I was at the women's uh, basketball game yesterday when we were watching you know the baseball game, and, and we saw Malone come up, and you know I was sitting with a couple other guys, and we were like, it'd be really funny if you hit a home run here to end it. 
and he got a hold of one and I was like, oh my God, he did it. Uh, and we just started laughing and man, you know, we've seen him in batting practice and we've heard like how strong he is. And like, he obviously looks the part as a six, four, 300 pound man, uh, out there, but man, he got a hold of that one. And, and, and he, he, I don't know if the ball's come down yet. I mean, that ball was, was, was going for a while. Um, there, I, you know, all off season, we heard about how many different pieces this team had in terms of, of what they could do offensively. And we knew about Elko and Gonzalez and, um, but you know, we, all we heard was how much deeper it is. And that even guys that weren't playing every day were guys who were going to make contributions. And, you know, Malone is a guy who really hadn't played much baseball in the last couple of years. Cause he had a knee injury in high school. Um, you know, and I mean, he, he had the COVID season, one of his years of high school. And so, you know, he's really hasn't played much in the last two or three years. And here he is, you know, hitting a home run in his second at bat. It's just, there's a lot of talent on this team. Uh, it, it is kind of funny that, you know, he, he now has more baseball stats, I believe, than he does football stats uh, at this point uh, in, in, in his young career. But uh, if by all accounts, he's going to have a pretty good football career too, but there's a lot of talent on that, on that, on that baseball team. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's at this point, it's not a matter of if it, it's a matter of when they're going to put up that lopsided inning. And uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the pitching is, you know, it, it's a work in progress. I think we kind of knew it was going to be, but man, uh, the least amount of runs they've scored is nine so far. Well, I tell you what, uh, of course, uh, Taiwan Malone's home run started making the rounds on social media quickly, and it it uh, caught my eye uh, Sunday afternoon. I said, well, let me find the video, and and I was able to get that and look at it. And what I wanted to see was, okay, is this a very technical hitter, and is he advanced beyond his years as a college hitter? Uh, did he sit back and wait on that curveball that just destroys so many careers when you can't hit the curve? And well, that, that really wasn't the pitch that he hit, man. And and it, it was put on a tee about as perfectly as it could have been with a, a belt-high fastball. But the key here is he didn't miss it. And he hit it the opposite field. And the strength you talk about in the distance, I think they measured it at 404 feet, uh, something like that. That that was 404 feet to the opposite field. So it was an impressive shot. Uh, Steph, you saw a couple of impressive shots uh in Starkville in games two and three, but not in game one, uh, a seven to six loss for the Bulldogs in the uh, series opener against Northern Kentucky. I didn't go down there, Steph, and my plan is going to be, uh, you know, a, a Friday here or Saturday there when, when the season really gets started and we get into conference play. Uh, but I thought, this is Northern Kentucky. They're, they're just going to, they're going to breeze for three games. They're just going to, they're just going to mow past Northern Kentucky, and uh, and that wasn't the case Friday night. What happened? Yeah, I think what's what's interesting is that you know I think the term you know championship hangover is definitely what, what's going to be used with the start that the Mississippi State team has had, um, and which is interesting because you know a lot of the pieces that have kind of been the one stepping up are were at least to that point, um, you know some of the younger players that were stepping up, a player like Hunter Hines or. Um, you know, tenor legged, maybe not as much of, you know, he, he had this big moment last year, but, but the Luke Hancocks and the Logan Tanners and, um, you know, the Brad Cumbuses of the team were, were not stepping up. And, um, and, and Chris Lamonis was, was pretty livid after that, that Friday game. And, you know, it's rare to ever get that much emotion from him 
um, you know, win or lose, but especially, you know, after, a, you know, losing like your fifth game of the year, fourth game, whatever it was at that point. Um, but, but he wasn't happy. And he was saying that, um, you know, from a, from a competition standpoint, he wasn't getting out of his team what, what he kind of felt was the standard at Mississippi State for a team that won the national championship last year. And, um, you know, the, they, they were down. I can't remember exactly what the deficit was, but they cut it to seven to six in that first game. And, and they were close. And, you know, Lamonis was saying last year, like even when, even when we played poorly, uh, someone comes up with that big hit. And they just weren't getting that on, on Friday. And, um, you know, a large part of that was everyone was trying to hit a home run and everyone was trying to do too much. And on a cold day where you probably needed to hit it right down the line to get it out of the park, um, you, you weren't going to do that. And it was kind of a, an unreasonable approach by the hitters and, and a bit of a selfish one. And a non-competitive one. And, and he let them hear that. And, and we spoke to Logan Tanner. And Logan Tanner was like, we spoke to Logan, I think it was after that Saturday loss. And Logan was like, yeah, Lamonis let us hear it a little bit. And, you know, what, what's interesting is that when, when things go like that, you need your veterans to step up and, and do something about it. And in those Saturday and Sunday wins, it was, you know, Luke Hancock, Logan Tanner, uh, Brad Cummins had two line shot home runs. I think they both left the ballpark at like three seconds. Um, you, you had the veteran guys step up when you needed them to. Um, and, and that's probably a promising sign moving forward because I don't think anyone doubted the leadership that, that this team has considering their veteran guys are national champions, reigning national champions. Um, but, but there's definitely been, um, you know, that call to action early on from Lamonis. Um, and, and, you know, the, the players felt like they kind of needed to speak to each other after dropping those first two against Long Beach State. And, and they needed to talk to each other again after that Northern Kentucky game. And it's, well, you can't keep losing and then having those conversations. At what point does that conversation kind of start turning into a, bit of a winning streak? They're going to be tested this week. They, they got uh, Grambling coming to, to Sarkville, and then they have that midweek game against Southern Miss and Pearl. And, um, and, and that, I mean, Southern Miss is a good team. And, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of people in, in Starkville tell me that Southern Miss probably should have won that Oxford Regional last year, at least had a really good chance to. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be a big test uh, early on. And, um, and, and it, and, like like we've seen it it has to be those veteran guys that step up because the the young guys are are at least bringing the competition uh, aspect of it i would say steph that that was probably some wishful thinking on the part of hands <laughs> last year those southern miss was very good very very good pitching and they were evenly matched teams at the top level pitching but when you got past that they were just uh, – you reached that point in the tournament when uh, Ole Miss got in the advantage position by winning that Saturday game, and, you know, and, and Southern had to run through some arms, and, and uh, it was just – it's tough on any team that falls into the loser's bracket. But uh, very good program, outstanding program under uh, Scott Berry and, uh, you know, uh, a program that uh, has as many uh, College World Series appearances as Ole Miss in the last 10 years, you know, because they went uh, <laughs> with uh, Corky Palmer back in the day. So that's a quality program, and that will be a difficult game, a challenging game for Mississippi State uh, Wednesday night uh, uh, in Pearl at the home of the uh, the Mississippi Braves there. Uh, the Tulane Series is going to be a, another challenge for them, and then they go from – Tulane to Texas Tech. So this, uh, you know, this Mississippi State schedule, I mean, the outlier here is Northern Kentucky. They should have swept the series. They dropped that game. That's going to be one of those games uh, down the road that if they don't get on a long winning streak and all of a sudden you start looking at the resume, you start looking at the numbers, you know, you, you hear teams that you want to avoid the bad loss. 
that's a bad loss. That's going to be one that drags on the resume a little bit. So they can't afford, uh, you know, too many of those. Uh, But they can, you know, they can really make things right uh, in the next, what, uh, six games here. You're looking at, uh, you know, Southern Miss Wednesday, then three at Tulane, where road games are calculated differently than two neutral site games against Texas Tech. So the schedule, you know, really kind of shifts gears for uh, Mississippi State uh, right now. You mentioned Brad Cummins, though. Talk a little bit more about him. What's uh, what's he doing right now that's uh, that has him on this hot streak? Yeah, and, and one more thing I'll add real quick is that, um, you know, those, those two losses to Long Beach State, everyone, you know, with Long Beach State being a ranked team, uh, Long Beach State turned around and got swept by Sacramento State uh, this weekend. So, I mean, those couldn't have hurt them too if, if Long Beach State isn't maybe the team that a lot of people expected them to be. Yeah. But um, talking about Brad, yeah, I mean, his he, he's been making good contact at the plate, and um, and and you could tell he's been seeing the ball pretty well. Um, but but Lamonis, you know, said that Mississippi State needed to be a bit more aggressive with the fastballs that they were getting. He felt that his guys were being a bit too passive with, with their approach at the plate and. Um, after that Friday loss, he said, you know, we, we need to be attacking those fastballs. And, and that's what Cumbus w- was doing. And he was right on him. And um, <laughs> the second one probably w- was more of a line shot even than the first one. The first one got out of there quick. But the second one, uh, I was actually sitting in the outfield watching it go. And, and I, I didn't know if it was going to have enough height to get over the wall. It certainly had the distance, but I didn't know if it was going to have the height. So he, he's been piecing them. What's been interesting, too, is that, um, you know, in that Friday game, um, that they lost. He had a couple like diving plays out in left field, and, and he's a big guy, and he's you know another one of those those football baseball guys um, that that we've seen in, in Mississippi, and um, and and he made a couple of nice diving catches out in left field. So his defense um, is definitely matching his offense so far this year. Um, we'll see what that looks like, I guess, in, in a regional. If you know the ninth inning, Lamonis decides to put you know Braylon Skinner out there or something like that for some defensive substitutions, but. Uh, Cummins is holding his own out there in left field, and, and it's definitely doing, you know, his, his defense is translating to offense or offense translating to defense, however you want to look at it. He, he's feeling good right now, and he's got a good approach at the plate. He's being aggressive in the outfield, and, and he's been, you know, one of State's best players so far this season. And, and having him be a guy that you'll typically bat sixth, seventh, eighth in the lineup, uh, it, it's a pretty good threat to have there. With that body type, he looks to me like Mississippi State's uh, version of Tim Elko. You know, yeah, that type if, of- uh, if Leach ever if Leach ever decides to implement a tight end full time into the air raid offense, I think um, he can go over to Duty Noble and find the perfect guy for that. Yeah, Michael uh, Jacob Gonzalez, man, he's got some at bats now. I mean, the first weekend you kind of ah, you know first weekend now uh, six games in, he's hitting two twenty two. He was phenomenal last year. Great freshman season where you when you were out there in in your non college baseball world in, in Laramie. Uh, What's going on with Jacob Gonzalez right now? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was a good sign to see him hit one out yesterday. I think people were kind of waiting on on that, but um, you know, it's it, it's funny. A couple days before the season, um, you know, he told us that they had been working on him hitting the ball in the air more. I believe it was and we all kind of looked at each other like, why would you change anything like with, with what he did last year? I mean, he was so good. Um, I'm not saying that is the reason that he hasn't had this, you know, the good start that I think we all probably maybe right or wrong uh, put on him. But, you know, I, I think part of it is that he is at the top of every pitcher's game plan and, um, you know, not saying he wasn't last year, but, 
uh, you know, I, I think pitching staffs learn. I think coaches learn what to do. And, um, you know, I think that and, and the maybe changed approach a little bit wasn't doing him any favors. Um, he, he had that he, he tattooed that ball pretty hard uh, yesterday, which which was a, a welcome sign. Uh, you know, and, and he's had some fielding issues as, as well. And, you know, sometimes those things kind of compound together and, and can kind of get in a, a, a guy's head and kind of change the way a, a guy is going about things. But, uh, you know, it, it, would he would it be would fans like to see him hitting, you know, 350 already again or off to the start that Kevin Graham had? I think he's off to the Kevin Graham's off to the start. That I think people assume Jacob Gonzalez will kind of be off to. Um, but you know, I, I think yesterday was, was an important sign just to kind of see him get that, that first really big hit. Uh, and you know, if, if it turns into, a you know, a few more, you know, against Monroe and then at, at UCF next week, I think you're feeling pretty good about it. Um, I, I don't think they're too worried yet. They have moved him around the lineup a little bit. Um, you know, he was, he was hitting fifth, um, in one of the games, uh, over, uh, against VCU, he's obviously usually in, in, in the two hole. Um, but you know, I, I think it's, it's early season stuff. I don't think they're too worried, but, uh, I, I do think yesterday was kind of an important step in that right direction for sure. You mentioned a change in approach. I was going to ask you that. Did he specify what uh, he was doing differently to try and hit the ball with, uh, with more lift? No, it, it's, I think we were all so, taken aback that they tried to do anything with him uh, I think we were all like I think we all couldn't believe that like he actually told us that like they were doing something we were like we, we were just like what why and then he just kind of moved on and as you know Jacob's a pretty soft-spoken guy as it is and so I think we all kind of took it and we were like that's really weird like why would you the guy who hit you know 350 whatever uh man I, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell him to do anything different yeah but that's probably why I'm not a coach yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it's kind of a, a statement about this Ole Miss offense right now that you can take that guy who was arguably their best hitter at the end of last season and uh, he's hitting 222 and you're still hitting 341 as a team. Uh, tell me about Reagan Burford. I didn't see Reagan Burford last year, he wasn't around, uh, but he's somebody who has been able to crack this lineup and and excel in the early going. Yeah, no, he's, 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 he's been a nice guy at third. Obviously I, I think that you know, him and bench have kind of been benches guy that can kind of play everywhere. And I think they just kind of want his, his bat and his speed anywhere in the lineup, but Burford has kind of made it hard to keep him out of the lineup on a consistent basis. You know, one, he's playing a pretty solid third base for the most part. Um, but two, he's, he's stringing hits together. And I think the, the thing with this lineup is I, I, we knew what were, we imagine, you know, the, the combination of, of Gonzalez, Elko and Graham was, was, is going to be really, really good. But when you have guys like Burford and, and Hayden Leatherwood and Kemp Alderman and Calvin Harris, the, the backup catcher is hitting like 500 right now. Um, it's, it's all of these guys that and TJ McCants is off to a nice start. It's all these guys at the top and the bottom and, and just everywhere in the lineup. And Burford's one of those guys who, uh, there's no easy outs. He's a guy who, who can get on base and, and he can, he, 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 he can make things happen out there. And he, I, I think he's been a really, I don't know if I'd say surprised because Mike Bianco sounded pretty excited about him getting significant time. 
uh, you know, before the season started. But uh, he, he he's, he's been a really nice piece. There's there's just there's a lot of nice pieces. And, and the, it's 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 a it's a it's an embarrassment of riches when you can't get all of them in the lineup on a daily basis. When, you know, Kemp Alderman, who has tattooed, you know, other than, you know, maybe Taiwan Malone's moonshot yesterday. You know, Alderman might have one of the hardest hit balls this year, and he can't get in the lineup on a consistent basis. I mean, it's just there's a lot of guys who can hit that, that can hurt you. And, and I know things are going to get, you know, harder once the more difficult games start going. But, you know, Burford is just sort of a, a microcosm of just all of all of the different pieces they have right now. It's a it's a fun offense to watch. And I imagine it's a pretty fun offense to, to hit. And I imagine it really sucks to pitch against. Yeah, Kemp's a big, strong guy, too. Stefan, uh, let's go back to uh, Chris Lamonis's, uh, uh yell and scream meeting uh, with Mississippi State. Did that do the trick? Because it seemed like games two and three were what you would expect from this team. No, no trouble with uh, Northern Kentucky uh, after that. You know, kind of what you thought the series would be. Did, did it take that uh, for them to respond? Yeah, I think based on um, Michael's analysis there on how he would approach Gonzalez and as well as how much he thinks it probably sucks to face Ole Miss's lineup, if uh, if Lamona ends up being on the hot seat with another uh, non-con loss, maybe Michael will be their first call to to be the head coach. What do you think about that? I'll 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 do it for uh, for for a couple dollars less. Yeah, if <laughs> if they can just get past the fact that his baseball pedigree is Boise State and Wyoming, if they can get past. That, <laughs> Then, uh, then maybe so. Maybe he would be an attractive candidate. My, my, my coaching philosophy is let the good players be good. <laughs> yeah, it's you're not a, into changing approaches for Jacob Gonzalez, are you? Nope. Nope. Hey, listen, Sean McVay won a Super Bowl, and his game plan at the end was give the ball to Cooper Cup. So I could have done that in theory. Um, but no, anyway. Uh, we're getting off on a track here. Why can nobody cover Cooper Cup? Why is he unable to be covered? You know? I mean, I don't, I don't get it. You know, he's the best route runner in the league. Every route looks exactly the same when he starts. You can't get a beat on him. He's he, he's incredible, and he has a really good beard. I don't think that has anything to do with it, but he has a really good beard, and it's a it James Harden's playing well right now, and he has. Is that what you're going for too? Is that your your combine beard? <laughs> this is my this is my. I forgot to shave, but I got to do it today before the combine beard. <laughs> uh, anyways, back to Lamonis and Mississippi State. Um, you know, I think what. Um, Part of it is probably the players responding to what it is Lamona said, but there's also a piece to it that, um, you know, is the players kind of holding themselves accountable. And, um, and, and Preston Johnson had told us after his Saturday start that, um, you know, he, he sent, they were all texting in their, in their team group chat and, and he sent the text and he was like, Hey, you got, you got to start playing for the name on the front of your Jersey as opposed to the back. And, you know, a lot of that is cliche stuff that, you know, you hear in a, in a movie like, you know, miracle on ice, but, at the same time, um, you know, that, that's stuff that these players buy into, especially when, you know, maybe you're a younger guy and, and one of the older guys is, is the one saying that. Um, so so part of it, I, I do think, is, um, you know, Lamonis pushing them and them responding to Lamonis. But there's also um, that aspect of the, the leaders of this team kind of understanding what their role is and, and embracing that, um, especially coming off of, of the national championship. So there's going to be there's going to be times this year and there's times always in a baseball season where you have the highs and the lows. And, uh, and it's going to be more often than not that it's going to have to be, you know, someone like a Logan Tanner uh, stepping up and saying something as opposed to being Lamonis. Now, Lamonis maybe felt the need that, that he needed to say something this time, and, and there will be times this season where he will. 
Um, but but it, I think what's a good sign for Mississippi State is that, you know, a, a guy like Preston Johnson isn't afraid uh, to say something, you know, in that group chat or, or whether it be in person in the locker room, however they you know decide to communicate. Um, that the Mississippi State has guys who aren't afraid to say something. Um, that, that probably goes a longer way, you know, for maybe some of the freshmen, um, you know, because they talk so much about the, the culture of Mississippi State baseball. Well, in order to maintain that, your freshmen have to learn what that culture means from those upperclassmen. And if someone like a Preston Johnson is pushing that, um, then then maybe a freshman like Aaron Downs or something like that, um, you know, takes note. And then, you know, in a couple of years when he's a junior, he'll he'll keep that culture going and, and that accountability going. And you kind of start that domino effect. So if nothing else, if it doesn't, you know, end up in positive results for Mississippi State this year, and, and there's certainly, you know, reasons to be concerned at times with this offense or, or maybe with the bullpen um, and, and the pitching staff, um, you know, at the end of the day, is if they do struggle at least, at some point that culture can be maintained. And, and if you have an off year after a national championship, you, you have that, you know, established for next year, the years moving forward. What's your take on pitching at Mississippi state right now? I mean, I think uh, what I saw in that, uh, in that Friday game, I hate to keep going back to that, but it was just shocking the way Landon Sims was hit around a little bit. Wasn't really shocking that a bullpen that I think is still trying to find itself might not perform, you know, at peak level after that, but when you put those two things together, all of a sudden you were asking an offense that also was trying to find itself to score eight runs. And and I just don't think uh, that's going to be a long-term winning plan for Mississippi State until they until they get on that same page that you're talking about. But in the grand scheme of things, right now, uh, what uh, what do you see from MSU pitching? Yeah. You know, I'm intrigued to see what, what happens with Landon Sims moving forward. Obviously, he's, he's going to stay that Friday guy. And I mean, you can look at any of the projections. Everyone has him as, you know, the best pitcher in the nation. And, and there's little doubt that he can be a starter. You know, he, he talked a lot about after that Long Beach State game of, hey, you know, I'm going to throw my fastball until someone proves they can hit it. Well, your second start and, and second time through the lineup, um, you know, Northern Kentucky showed that, that they could hit it. And if Northern Kentucky can do it, that probably means that LSU and Tennessee and Ole Miss can do it, too. Um, that, that's the one thing that from that Long Beach State game and, and from the Northern Kentucky game that surprised me is that I, I understand that he wants to throw the fastball because he's confident in it. But when you have an opportunity against some of these non-conference teams to maybe just toss in that change up every now and then just to get, get yourself more comfortable with it, um, you know, I'm surprised he hasn't done it. The, the slider is still good and, and, you know, he doesn't you know throw it very often, but when he does, it's effective. And I think adding that third pitch is going to be crucial. And, and I feel like this is when he should be throwing it to kind of get into that groove uh, and start getting some practice with it, get some reps with it. Though I'm sure he's, you know, throwing in his bullpen sessions and things along those lines. That's the one thing about Landon that his fastball was being hit by Northern Kentucky. And now we have to see as a starter moving forward, you know, teams are going to know the second or third time through the lineup that the fastball's coming. How is he going to adjust to it? The bullpen is interesting because, you know, guys like, like Preston Johnson and, and Kate Smith, they obviously got the starts, but then you have, um, you know, the Fristo coming out of the bullpen being kind of your midweek guy. Pico Cohn looked really good um, in, in his first couple outings. They got good arms in the bullpen. Um, and I think Lamonis is experimenting a lot right now with other arms. But, you know, Casey Hunt got that Saturday start to open the season and struggled. And Cam Toller now has, has really struggled his, both his outings out of the bullpen. And those are two guys that Lamonis said were among the better arms that they had throughout the offseason. So, you know, those guys have the talent. I mean, they're at Mississippi State. They have the talent, right? But it, it, it's a matter of finding that confidence and that ability to compete, um, especially by throwing pitches in the strike zone. And, and Casey Hunt and Cam Toller haven't done that. And, and Parker Snack came out of the bullpen on Friday and struggled as well. Um, 
there's some big pieces for Mississippi State that have been good and can be good, whether it be as starters or the bullpen as, as kind of postseason play comes around. But there's also some guys who have some real talent and kind of need to find um, that in-game factor to be effective. And and if, you know, if, I mean, Cam Tuller is one of the, the few lefties that Mississippi State can roll out of the bullpen. And, and you know, Lamonis will like to play that matchup when he has the opportunity. Um, you know, if, if he's not going to be competitive in the zone, then, then you're losing an advantage by not having that kind of big, lefty arm to bring out of the bullpen and and you know if cam taller finds it and you know there's obviously the it's early and, and he could that that's a whole nother weapon that mississippi state has at least from a matchup uh standpoint so um overall i wouldn't be too concerned with the staff um but but when you start to nitpick and look at things that hey you know this might be important in in a regional or super regional that's where you kind of start getting getting concerned and, and that's what the standard is at mississippi state folks that'll wrap us up for this edition of justify your existence. For Stefan Kreishnik and Michael Katz, I'm Parrish Alford. Follow us uh, at djournal.com. Come see us over there. Lots of good coverage this week. Lots of baseball, lots of basketball, and NFL combine as we celebrate the overlap season. Come join us. <laughs>